Happy Thanksgiving, kids, and thanks for listening. This is Doc with Angus, and Angus with Doc, and we are here today to celebrate the national holiday of Thanksgiving. Uh, we figured everything is season, and this tends to be one of those holidays that gets massively overlooked, and in particular, massively overlooked in comic books, too. So, Doc, how are you? I'm great, Angus. How are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. Awesome. So, uh, look, I, I have to thank you for curating this most interesting list of holiday-flavored slash-themed comics. And this really spans uh, quite a period of time. I mean, I our earliest work here comes from October of 1968, and that is Spectre from DC. And we finish up with a more modern take with The Punisher. And this had a release date of November of 2011 with a cover date of 2012. And then we've got some goodness, three others then, in between this uh, <laughs> cornucopia that you have brought us of comics goodness. So, Doc, let's get into it here. And how about this first selection? What, number one, what brought you to these particular comics was it just kind of out of a search or were you familiar with any of these titles prior to us sitting down and reading them no it, it sparked it started with uh that to, to my the best of my knowledge that we have not previously done anything like this for thanksgiving we always do like halloween and and christmas and the big holidays and first even though halloween is or i'm sorry thanksgiving is a big holiday in america it, it seems like like you mentioned it's it kind of goes to the wayside um, when it comes to comic books and uh, and so i thought it would be fun to try to look and some of them i kind of vaguely remembered from reading from growing up and other ones i had to look up and and keep in mind too i just kept this to the big houses the two big houses dc and marvel um i guarantee i don't know for certain but i guarantee like image and boom and all the other stu um all the other publishers i, I guarantee there's some other good stories out there which you know what if the, if the if people like this we can do that for next year um but that's kind of where it started and like for example the specter the first one we're doing i remember there was a story about like these demonic pilgrims and i'm like pilgrims that's thanksgiving and then after i reread it uh, <laughs> it's not so much thanksgiving -y. <laughs> it's, there's definitely pilgrims in it and they're definitely actually it would have made a better halloween because there was a lot of uh, kind of lovecraftian <laughs> of images in it and everything so but it was a, it was fun rereading i mean i haven't read that in so long so it was fun rereading it but um probably out of the all i'm glad we're doing it first because out of all the selections it's probably the least thanksgiving -y out of everything <laughs> So, yeah. oops. <laughs> it, Doc, it, it's okay. We'll we'll call it a transitional work, transitioning from the holiday season into Thanksgiving, and it, it's at least Thanksgiving adjacent because we're talking pilgrims here. Okay, exactly. So, so in this particular one, this comes from Spectre issue number six, and this was from October of 1968. Our executive director there is Julie Schwartz. Our cover artists are uh, Jerry. Uh, Grandetti and uh, Murphy Anderson. Our writers, Gardner Fox. Now, this is very interesting. Then yeah. pencilers are also uh, Jerry uh, Grandetti, uh, anchor Murphy Anderson. Letterers are Jerry Grandetti and Gaspar Salandino. And like I said before, uh, the editor for this story, in addition to being the editor there, executive editor at DC at the time, is also Julia Schwartz. So, Julie Schwartz, very, very well known uh, comic book luminary. Mm -hmm. And this is Pilgrims of Peril. And you know what, Doc? I'm going to have you uh, take it away here. And uh, what in the world did we read? 
So we we read and it ended up being because it like when you open it and uh, like the title page it says part one. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna have if it's a part one, I'm gonna have to revisit it. But it was all contained in one. They just broke it up into different chapters, which was nice. So you don't yeah. have to worry about like having to read five issues just to get one story arc or anything. And it's basically um, that uh, in Gateway City, um, all of a sudden these these four pilgrims appear in different locations. They're they're uh, they're kind of um, they're definitely a ghost like figures. They kind of have like a demonic little um, uh, tinge to them as well. And um, and uh, and so the people call out for the help of Jim Corgan, who is the Spectre. And at this, um, it, it was really fun going back to this version of the Spectre, where he's a cop and he's also the most powerful being in the universe, which is really kind of fun uh, to watch. And it's it's interesting because it's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing going on. That he can be Jim Corrigan, and then he could also the Spectre can kind of emerge when he needs him uh, and things like that. So it was kind of cool to see that uh, that old version of the, of the Spectre, and um, and then. You know, it just turns out it's like I said, it's it's very Lovecraftian in some of its uh in some of its stories. It's like it has a it's like um it almost feels like the setting is like this this little old New England kind of town. It starts off in England three hundred years ago. There's a religious sect. They strayed from the from the main pack and they started worshiping. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, it's N A W O R Nawar, the demon. Mm-hmm. The yeah. demon lord of the realm of Gaimpo. <laughs> Sounds like a bad insurance company. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, and then the story just got you know it turns out that uh, you know they were worshiping this 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 demon, but they needed these certain talismans. And um, when they you know they, when they, uh, they so they left England to come to the New World, America, and uh, and they found out a lot of the natives had some of these talismans, which was really convenient for them. Um, they came all the way all this way, and they happened to be where they ended up. And uh, and so then they they kind of stole them from the natives. The natives didn't like that, so they kind of attacked. And there was it was it was, it was it's an actually pretty good story it's just not very thanksgiving like we talked about and uh, it's just this curse and then uh, and the and the demon um is able to um because they pray to this demon but they don't have all the relics yet or the talismans yet so the demon can only um basically save four of the worshipers and so every once every 100 years these four worship or the four um yeah worshipers um come back out of the grave to look for the remaining talisman and things like that so that's that's the basic story in a nutshell shell and it's just um it's it's just a good old comic book kind of story with uh and it, it wraps up pretty nicely like i said like a, a little self-contained story and um um there's not much more to it than, than that and it's a uh um hoping for a little bit more turkey in there but it yeah. was uh it was it was it was a fun little story yeah well yeah no harry okay let's go with it we're, we're just gonna layer on here yeah. all of all of the uh Bad Thanksgiving puns and say, that, look, it, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuffing here, and, and and the stuffing that we're given is pulpy goodness, very yeah. pulpy goodness by Gardner Fox. This is Gardner Fox, frankly, just reaching into his pulp roots and bringing it forward. And you know, for those unfamiliar with Gardner Fox, other than the Flash of Two Worlds and everything that he did with comic books, I Gardner Fox was a prolific pulp fiction writer. And he did not only short stories and anthology magazines, but he also did quite a few. Uh, I they were referred to at the time as kind of like knockoff series. So mm-hmm. you know, he had a a um, a character called Kothar, which is very much like Conan the Barbarian, and really leaning into the insatiable appetite of folks in the 40s and 50s 
wanting good fantasy adventure pulp reads, and Gardner Fox just churned them out. He was absolutely amazing in that department. Well, this Spectre story just reeked of that. The moment I started reading it, I'm like, oh, okay, wait a second. This is Gardner Fox just you know turning on all the spigots here. He's got all the trimmings going on here. He's even throwing that cranberry sauce in there too and, and <laughs> giving us all sorts of uh, things coming in here to really make a full plate of a lot of fun. I mean, it's a fun story, it but it, it really in no way, shape, or form is like traditional Thanksgiving, yeah. leading into Thanksgiving. So exactly. again, it, it's fun, good read. And if you wanted a good snapshot of a transitional era, and what I mean by this is the silver going into the Bronze Age, but also pulp fiction then weaving its way and uh, infiltrating comic books. This is a great story to perfectly mm-hmm. illustrate that. All it right, does. And like you mentioned too, it, it, may, it does make a nice little bridge um, between Halloween with a little bit of that, that pulpy kind of Lovecraftian feel and then a little toe in Thanksgiving with the pilgrims. So yes, uh, it, yes. it's a, it's a good conversion, but yeah, I think, I think you've summarized it best. <laughs> yeah. All right. So doc, with that said, let's go from the distinguished company DC to the house of ideas and to Marvel. And our next selection is Scarlet. The vision and the Scarlet witch had a release date of December 1985, a cover date of March of 86. This is entitled No Strings Attached. Our writer is Steve Englehart. A penciler is Richard Howell. Anchor, Frank Springer. Colorist, Adam Phillips. Letterers are Rick Parker and Bill Oakley. And our editor is Jim Salkrup. And this, if I'm not mistaken, is, yes, comes from the second volume of Vision and the Scarlet Witch. And the mutant who came to dinner is plastered right there on the cover. And there is quite the scene there of many of our Avengers characters and heroes from the Marvel Universe sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner. Matter of fact, it looks like that uh, about to carve the turkey would be none other than a Doctor Strange and Namor is leaping from the table. And so it's quite the scene that, that we're showing here on, on the front cover. So Doc, what in the world was this one about? But I will say, before you delve into that, mm-hmm. let me set the stage with regard to who the dinner guests are here. Okay. Okay. We have Quicksilver. Okay. Uh, Pietro Maximoff. Luna, Crystal. Out of the Avengers, you've got Captain America, Wasp, and Submariner. And then we have Doctor Strange, uh, Illusion, Glamour, uh, Magneto, uh, Norm Webster, and Martha Williams. So those are our dinner guests. Our antagonists for this story are none other than the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So you have Toad, Mastermind, Magneto, and Quicksilver. Okay, with that, go. I, I think it's really hilarious that you have all these really powerful figures, and then you have Norm Webster, the realtor. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, for Thanksgiving. Hey, he didn't have he didn't have a house to go to. You know, the family was away. So and, this, nice and, 
and this embodies the uh, what Thanksgiving is. It's bringing everybody to your home and you know everybody getting together, and that's and that's really what this story is. This is, um, if I'm not mistaken, the volume two of Vision and Scarlet Witch was only twelve issues. So this is we're right smack dab in the middle of this run, and this feels like a middle of the run where there may have been like a first story arc that maybe ended with issue number five, and and they do they allude to a lot of like. Oh, it's been a really rough year for everybody, and and things like that. So obviously, some big story arc just ended, and um, and then uh, they don't really they're not setting up too much. They don't leave a lot of um uh, of uh, dangling strings at the end, um, but they're definitely um adding and really. What I really liked about this story, this is more of that Thanksgiving. They do sit around the Thanksgiving dinner um, table, and uh, and uh, the 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 mutant that comes in, you know, from the cold for dinner is Magneto himself, mm-hmm. um, who is obviously you know Scarlet Witch's and uh, Quicksilver's father. And it's just I really liked it because they really captured how awkward some thanksgiving dinners can be when you only see like certain relatives like once a year yes. <laughs> and you know and you know it's a magneto he's trying to make good he's trying to be a good father now and he's he's trying to get back into the you know the graces of his children and everything and you know the children are scarlet witch and and um uh quicksilver they're a little bit hesitant you know and uh i think i i believe quicksilver was a little bit more um, antagonistic against him being there than Scarlet Witch was, yes. um, but it was uh, it was just it was just and really there's really not much else going on in his story. It's just a little bit about Magneto and him trying to make amends with his children, and then of course you do get some of the Brotherhood of Evil attacking, and Toad reclaims his love for the Scarlet Witch and everything. Um, and it's they do throw in uh, what was it the um, he builds the, he builds like the replicas. Um, and he's using like technology from the stranger, which is, uh, what is, I think it's an elder of the universe, if I'm not mistaken. And so they're, you know, they, they definitely bring in a lot of different characters and, uh, you know, this could definitely, that could be a string that leads to something a little bit later on and everything, but, uh, it's pretty self-contained. That's why I liked, um, actually all the stories that we chose because they are all self-contained. You don't have to go back and read seven issues just to understand what's going on in the Thanksgiving one. And that's really what this is. It's just, it's really does feel like a, like an extended family and friend, um, uh, Thanksgiving dinner drama. And, uh, just, there happen to be superheroes in it. I don't think any of the superheroes use any of their powers. And uh, I, I thought it was just a really fun little story. And uh, it does have that feel, that cozy, warm feel of the Thanksgiving dinner. And that's why I enjoyed it. It, it, it absolutely does, Doc. And it actually reminded me of a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. <laughs> Very much because, so. you, you know, here's a show about nothing. Well, you know, when you look mm-hmm. at it, yeah, there's some discussions about things. But there's no big main antagonist that they're going after. They're, they're not saving the world or anything like that. Yeah. It really deals with the social dynamics, the... Uh, uncomfortable nature, like you said before, of folks who infrequently get together, finally getting together into a forced company there, oh, to celebrate the holiday together. And look what interesting conversations ensue. And that's what we've got here. And so from that standpoint, again, one that's very much designed for a frequent Marvel reader, for them just to basically take in and enjoy the interaction between the characters that they love reading about. So... Yeah. Very good one. Very good one. Okay, yeah, so that was a fun story. So let's move on to our third selection. And this is Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, number 308. And the title of our story in this one is Mixed Blessings. And this has a cover date of January 1994. Our writer is Scott uh, Lobdell. Our penciler is John Romita Jr. Inker, Dan Green and Al Day. Colorist is Steve uh, Bocatello. 
our letterer is Chris Alispos and editor Bob Harris. And in this one, we have our featured characters being Cyclops, Scott Summers, and Jean Grey. And the supporting characters from the X-Men, you have the blue team with Jubilee, Beast, Gambit, Rogue, um, Revanche, and Psylocke. And then gold team, Storm, Bishop, Iceman, Archangel, and of course, Professor X, Charles Xavier's with them. We also have Banshee and Forge in this. And our antagonist in this story is Phalanx. So Doc... We also have a lot of references to other characters uh, in this particular issue. What in the world was going on on this one? Yeah, this one, I mean, I think it's a very, very similar story structure to um, Vision and uh, and Scarlet Witch that that we just went over. Yeah. It's, uh, it's again, it's, um, um, they're making a lot of references, again, to um, previous battles over the last year that they fought. Um, Professor X is very, um, he's very maudlin in this one. He's very, like... Um, very, you know, everyone's kind of letting loose and having fun and talking with everybody and and stuff. And uh, Professor X is a little bit more like concerned about what the future holds and things like that. So it's, he's a little bit more that uh, um, the 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 old old grandfather that sits on the couch and <laughs> doesn't just like kind of scoffs at everybody. <laughs> but uh, the story was kind of fun. And you know, it, I I grew up um, um, in the '80s and '90s reading the X Men, and this really made me want to go back and and start getting back into the X Men because it was just it just reminded me of really fun reading um and uh, how great the x-men really are um and uh but this one's a fun one because it's really just gene and scott just kind of talking about their um of how they first met and how their love kind of blossomed and where they might be going in the future and um i don't know if you want to like give all the details of it um but it's uh you know it's it's uh it's a it's a it's kind of a sweet story uh you know just walking down memory lane and um you know that from it's funny in the in the uh, Vision Scarlet Witch one. I do the um, the when they get attacked by the Brotherhood of Evil, that kind of stands out. In this one, I don't remember any kind of like real action happening. It's just what really got me was and what I really enjoyed was that story, the 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 love story with with Gene and Scott and how it kind of evolved. They talk a little bit about Wolverine that he's mending himself after a big battle and, and things like that and he's he's gone he pulled his you know typical disappearing act that he does once in a while and uh, and that's pretty much what you know where, where what this one is it's again like you mentioned kind of a seinfeld episode where it's um it's you know really not if you were to not read this issue at all you wouldn't ruin your x-men kind of flow as the story goes and it's kind of like a little nice little extra thanksgiving kind of issue where again we do get that thanksgiving action where they are sitting around the table and and things like that but it's um and it's it's just a really nice uh gathering of people together reliving some memories and uh making some new ones for the future as well indeed indeed doc so i i don't think there's much more to add to that one this one even had less action as you said no. before because at least in in the one with uh vision scarlet which we did have the uh, brotherhood of evil uh, yeah. actually being being a little bit of a threat there but you know with magneto tipping them off as far as what was going on mm -hmm. it, it, it it wasn't too harrowing of an experience exactly all right so let's head back now to the distinguished company over to DC. And okay, number one, it, it, this one just oozed Thanksgiving. Yeah. It it, does. Inclu including a sarcastic uh, tongue firmly in cheek, wink of the eye to none other than that iconic painting of Thanksgiving by Norman Rockwell. 
But in this particular one, we have Superman and his cousin, Power Girl. And she is placing the turkey on the table. And the sight lines for this particular cover are definitely cashing in on the assets, as we should say, of one particular Power Girl, which, you know, DC at least has been very consistent with regard mm-hmm. to this character and, uh, you know, how how they portray her being quite curvaceous. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, guest starring the J. Uh, this is, comes from JSA, Volume 1, Issue number 54. January of 2004, Dan DiDio is the executive editor. Our writer is Jeff Johns. Don Kramer is a penciler. Inker is Keith Champagne. Uh, colorists are John uh, Kaliz and Heroic Age. Uh, letterers are Jared K. Fletcher. And uh, editors are Stephen uh, Wacker and Peter Tomasi. And this is really right in the middle of the Johns run here of JSA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but guest stars, the JLA. So again, Jeff Johns is notorious for definitely flexing his DC history and knowledge of that history and bringing characters in. And what's hilarious about this, particularly when you marry it up with the cover, the synopsis for Virtue, Vice, and Pumpkin Pie. Wow, it doesn't get more Thanksgiving Americana than that, Doc. Exactly. This is definitely the most Thanksgiving-y of all the ones that we read, for sure. Yeah. And um, and uh, yeah. and so this this story has a little bit more um, history behind it, but still, it's a it really is a self-contained story. You don't need to read anything else, but it is kind of a basically well, not kind of. It is a sequel to um, uh, a um, uh, it's called Virtue and Vice, which was a JLA JSA crossover. For a while there, DC was doing these crossovers every year, and they were hugely popular. And uh, because they're really fun watching these two groups get together because you know with jla when they first formed and the justice league and everything they were you know they were taking on like really um the 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 worst catastrophes that were falling on earth and so you have to imagine when jsa and jla got together it had to be even more threatening to earth and everything so they had really good stories great writers for these and this is like one of them like i said so it was virtue and vice that's why it's virtue vice and pumpkin pie and um and it's it really does um it doesn't do a lot for wrapping up the story of virtue and vice, um, which is a great story. Um, it's, it's, um, it's when the seven, uh, deadly sins of man, um, are, um, they kind of infect our, some of our superheroes. And so things like, uh, like Batman becomes the embodiment of anger and things like that. It's really, it's a really cool story. So I highly recommend it. But again, we don't really have to go into it because it really, you know, you can read this without having to know anything about that story. And it really is, uh, it's just, I think it, it opens brilliantly with uh, Mr. Terrific and Batman walking down the hall and Batman's like suspicious. He goes, I don't like these big gatherings with our two teams because we're wide open for a big attack, which I'm like, who would be dumb enough to attack the JSA and the JLO together? (laughs) But Batman, Batman being Mr. Paranoid, you know, and always thinking ahead, he's got to, you know, he's got to make sure everything's locked down tight and everything. And there are people on duty watching, you know, the monitors and the watchtower and things like that. And then uh, they do get together for a big Thanksgiving dinner and then uh, uh, Kulak the Sorcerer and the Warlock of it's YS I never knew how to pronounce that yes 
<laughs> they are uh, they attack and it's really i think it's a great really funny moment this isn't really meant to be like the beginning of a new story arc these two attack and it's kind of a little bit left over from what happened in the um vice and virtue uh story arc and uh when they realize that all these heroes are together they i thought it was i thought the artwork was fantastic because you see the look on their faces like oh crap we just messed up big time we're in the middle of like a thanksgiving with all these superheroes and uh the attack basically ends as quickly as it begins and um i think they may even break bread with these two they like they don't like treat them too badly they you know they they send them off to uh to, to, to deal with them um but it's not a really about the battle it's more about getting all these heroes together and it's just fun watching the banter you know as um you know if it was a movie you would the, the camera would just kind of be cascading through these groups of star of superheroes and you could just hear their banter in the background um like uh i forget which character it was they kind of said something negative about hawk girl and of course hawk girl being hawk girl has her spear up against the the guy's throat going i want you to say that again to me okay and he's like no hey i didn't mean anything by it. you know just like little quips like that it was just a really i thought it was just a really fun story um just kind of and at one point another i should have written all these one down i didn't think i would forget it but another superheroes oh i think it was green lantern possibly he goes, why are we wearing our costumes, guys? Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why, yeah. Are we, why are we wearing our costumes? We're supposed to be like just chilling out today. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> and no, uh, it's just a lot of humor like that that's in this one that makes it really fun. It, it, it does. It absolutely does. And you know, I have to say the, the only casualty in any of this is actually the Thanksgiving dinner itself. Exactly. And, and, and plays into that old trope of you know, folks get invited over for Thanksgiving, the family's all gathered around. And if the host or whoever is cooking the meal is not that adept at cooking that meal, very often takeout ends up happening. Uh, Now, in this case, the food got actually used to be flung at one another Mm -hmm. and, and tables flipped over and things of that nature. And it's an absolute mess. But what's really funny at the very end is that you have batman and you have a uh, mr terrific uh, walking down uh, to downstairs to pick up a very large order of pizzas that is then brought back up and then everyone ends up breaking bread with one another or at least it's intimated as so matter of fact i love the the closing panels of all right go ahead and say it i know you're <laughs> dying to say it the batman says i told you so which basically <laughs> confirming uh, all of his fears before of this large gathering being the prime target uh, for uh, both uh, Kulak and uh, Warlock of Ease to appear. So from that standpoint, it it was. It was very well constructed. And frankly, Doc, this is a great example of a strong series, meaning JSA, and the talents of that series, Mm -hmm. Jeff Johns, uh, Don Kramer, uh, uh, really infusing this holiday goodness into a very strong run within that series, which I think is pretty cool. So you're, you're, you're getting talents at their height, contributing uh, some Thanksgiving goodness to us all within a very popular series. So from that standpoint, this is a great read, great selection. I I, like you thoroughly enjoyed it. Definitely (laughs) big, big fun. And another big shout out to uh, power girl there. Uh, (laughs) It still amazes me how, they never fails dc you're so consistent with your portrayal there unbelievable and folks will know what i'm talking about there oh, just see the cover i mean it, it is so so overt it's not even funny they they but, no subtlety at all 
No subtlety. No, sub- no subtlety has never been um, big with uh, with Power Girl. And no. you know the the biggest mystery though about this issue is towards the end when Batman and Mister Terrific go to get the pizzas that are being delivered, yes. and the delivery man goes, "Here, hey, don't you want your free breadsticks?" And they just yeah. shut the door on him. Why didn't they take the breadsticks? I don't know, man. Uh, who, who doesn't love breadsticks when you get, <laughs> when you get exactly. your pizza? <laughs> exactly. I mean, they, 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 they truly left them out in the cold. Yeah. But, 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 you know, to, to his credit, at least Batman says keep the change. And we almost get a smile from Batman almost. this one. Almost. Yeah. It was a almost sneer. A, a sneer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A sneer. yeah. So yeah. it was uh, that, and that's right there. Yeah, um, even yeah. though we're not at Christmas, that's a Thanksgiving miracle. If you get even it, it is, a, a it small is. smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I and I guess it was actually uh, Mr. Terrific who handed the money over. Yes. Um, so you know, uh, I'm assuming the keep the change came out of Batman, but you know, I, I could be wrong <laughs> because could, yeah. very clearly he was the one who was engaging with them once they got here. Uh two hundred and ten. Uh, how much <laughs> do we owe you? So I. I kind of figured that that was Batman saying, Hey, keep the change. I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but again, lots and lots of fun. And it is. then we're, we're also heading into a very strong creative team in another very. remarkable series. And, and for me, doc, th- th- this was the highlight of our read, uh, kind of saving the best for last. And it just yeah. so happens that it's the most recent of these Thanksgiving themed issues. And this is the Punisher. Volume 9, issue number 5, with a release date of November 2011, cover date of January 2012. Our writer is none other than Greg Rucka. Okay, that already gets me excited. Exactly. Our penciler is Marco Cicchetto. That also gets me excited. I'm like, okay, it's these guys again. Then we have Matt Hollingsworth doing colors. Our lettering is by Joe Carmanga. Karamanga. I'm going, okay, hold on. I'm recognizing all these names here. This is amazing. Ellie Pyle, Rachel Pinellas, and Stephen Wacker are our editors of Punisher here. This is a story called After 100 Days. And the premise behind this one, our featured character, of course, being the Punisher, Frank Castle. Supporting ca- uh, characters, you have Rachel Cole, the New York Police Department, a couple of their detectives, Nora Winters. Our antagonists are Exchange, Stephanie Gerard, Christian Paulson, Dove, Creel. You have some other characters in here, too. The Owl, the Avengers, mention of AIM, mention of Hydra, mention of the Vulture, mention of Hope. But this is on Thanksgiving Day, 100 days since the Punisher fought the Vulture. A young boy walks in the snow to a silo where he finds gun cases, maps on tables, gun targets hanging on the wall, but no one inside. And he runs away soon after. That's how we start this thing. Doc, I'm going to have you take it from here and provide your reflections on this particular story and, and how it hit you at the end. Because you made a remark to me while we were both reading this. You messaged me say, "Wow, wasn't that a real gut punch?" Yeah, yeah, and it's um, and it's uh, it's not a big setup for it either. So it's not like you, I think why it was so powerful was it just it just kind of came. It wasn't like this big setup over the first like you know forty pages or whatever. It, it just kind of was like this this ending. But um, yeah, I think you summarized it best in the beginning. Um, it, it is this is like we talked about how like in the in the vision story and the um uh. 
the Uncanny X-Men story that, you know, obviously this is like the middle of their runs about, and there was a lot of stuff that was going on before, but this, this, this issue of Punisher definitely feels like a transitional issue where we just had this big event, which even in the title, a hundred days ago, the Punisher just fought off the Vulture. And apparently it was a really, I haven't, I didn't read that. I'm definitely going back and reading this, this run because I really, really enjoyed this issue. And, um, it was a brutal fight. The Punisher was like, he's, he has an eye patch on and, or actually not even a patch yet. It's still bandaged up so he's still recovering from his injuries from fighting the vulture and um and we just see like like you mentioned all these other um groups are stephanie's group that that she's leading um you know they're planning on doing some other stuff like obviously they hired the vulture because they're like okay well obviously you know the vulture couldn't take out castle so what are you going to do now how are you going to get rid of this guy and so you know so that's obviously leading up going to be uh leading up to something um do you know how many issues was in this run angus uh, for volume nine I am looking uh, real quick here, and I'll have that to you momentarily. Okay. Yep. And uh, and so that's that's the big thing. The Punisher is still recovering, so we don't we're not seeing a lot of action. Other honestly, other than just him doing target practice. But then when he's doing target practice, trying to get his aim back and just trying to recover, um, a young a young kid wanders into his uh, into his little hideout, and it's a uh, it, it's a kid that uh, and he you know. Um, I can't remember the exact dialogue, but basically, um, the uh, the Punisher realizes that this kid's parents, at least one parent, is in the military. Oh, I think he talks about the army, and the Punisher right. kind of says like the army is a bunch of wimps or something like that because he was a marine. And the kid's like, "You take that back," and he's like, "Oh, sorry, kid." He goes, uh, "You know, how many of your parents are in the army?" And he's like, "Both of them. They're deployed. I don't know when they're coming back and things like that." He's living with his grandparents right now, and so the Punisher kind of takes a shine to him because he's like, he he understands the life and how hard it must be, and. And um, we don't get to the point where, you know, the Punisher is going to take him under his wing and, you know, become his protector. We don't get that far. Um, and uh, it's okay to give all the all the spoilers in this, you think? Yeah, go for it. Okay, because it's it's you kind of need to because it's such a you great, do. great you really do it, and you know, and they have they have kind of a you know a couple back and forth, and you can see that you know the Punisher is uh, he's kind of letting letting go a little bit of his like kind of the uh, the badass exterior and uh, kind of opening up and kind of making this kid feel at home and and things like that, and then um, when he was out, the uh, the kid kind of goes back into his hideout. And, uh, and he picks up um, a shirt and he sees the Punisher logo on it with the spray paint. And uh, the kid immediately, he like, then the Punisher walks in, Frank Castle walks in and the kid throws the shirt down and he goes, you're not a soldier. And he just runs out of the, uh, of the, uh, of the, of the, of the uh, hideout. And it's like, wow, that's, that's the part that I thought was such a gut punch. Cause, and you can see the artwork on Frank Castle's face is just brilliant you can see all at once all these different emotions on his face that he kind of he realizes that he is he is really no longer a soldier he's a he's a vigilante and he's taking the law into his own hands and you know it's always been with frank out the thing i loved it was like you know how much killing do you need to do before you feel that you've avenged your family's death and i think that kind of look kind of comes over his face it's like how far am I going to take this? You know, I'm, I'm, I ruin everything, everybody around me and, and things like that. And it's just, and it, and it's the fact that that kid, you know, is like, you're not a soldier, you know, you are, you've, you've left behind that code that soldiers follow. And now you are just kind of like what soldiers fight against. And it's such a, it's just an impactful moment. Um, again, it's not, we don't get the most Thanksgiving action as far as like sitting around the table and things like that, but it definitely takes place over a Thanksgiving break kind of deal. And, uh, and that, that story, that just, that, that ending is just so impactful. It, they did such a fantastic job and it's a really fast read as well. It was a very quick read. It is. And, and doc, uh, getting back to your original question, 
uh, volume nine comprises 16 issues. Okay. This is so a really right about quite compact run here, the Rucka did. Mm-hmm. And it goes just a little bit over a year. The first came out in August of 2011 with an October uh, 2011 cover date. And in fact, there were a couple that were even published in within a month uh, of wow. one another. So there were actually yeah. the first two issues came in and it were actually released in August of 2011. Both of them having October 2011 cover dates on them. Okay. Uh, same same thing goes for this Punisher Volume Nine. It was released in November in time for Thanksgiving, but had a January 2012 cover date to it. And the last issue, issue 16 came out in September of 2012 with the cover date of November uh, 2012. I think there's a couple things to take away from this one. Number one, when Castle is uh, ribbing uh, the kid on the army, that's one of those inter-service rivalry kind of jabs because Castle's a former Marine, okay? So Marine and, you know, family's army. But then he quickly sees that you know this is the kid of two deployed soldiers in the army and quickly his tone changes when he realizes this this to me speaks of the separation of military dependents and their loved ones during the holiday season and rucka captures that beautifully with this kid and his interaction with the punisher with castle I think that was some very extremely powerful moments. If you are in any way, shape, or form a dependent, part of a military family, have relatives in the military or close friends in the military, this is a reality. Your parents can end up getting deployed because they're meeting a service obligation on behalf of the United States of America. They have literally willfully signed their rights away and are outperforming an important mission on behalf of the government, of of our armed services. They are often away from family, friends, and loved ones during the holiday season. So unique to this read is that aspect of military culture really rising to the top and framing the holiday season, and in particular here, Thanksgiving, and a whole other li- whole other light. And I applaud Rucka for yeah. doing that. I-, I think that was a really cool way of weaving that into a very uh, emotionally, like you said, gut punch, gut wrenching story. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely the most uh, emotional out of the five that we've read, um, for sure. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, I mean, it's already listed on my, on my list of things for next year. I am definitely reading this whole, the the volume nine run. Cause if it's, if they're all even half as good as this issue was, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great read. Yeah. And that's the other value here, kids, for us bringing you these titles is many of them are right in the middle of runs. And if you like the flavor uh, of these, Hey, go for it. Yeah. discover the runs and, and read them it would be a, a lot a lot of fun so doc i'd like to do two things here to kind of wrap up number one i'd like to kind of get your rating if you will on all five of these okay 
and then also kind of your personal reflections with regard to Thanksgiving and what that holiday means to you not only now, but maybe how it impacted you growing up and the significance. Because I know both you and I are, are very big fans of the entire fall into winter holiday season. Uh, love Halloween, love Thanksgiving, love Christmas. But I don't think there's enough appreciation given for Thanksgiving here and and its meaning and and why some folks really truly do love this holiday. Yeah, I, you know, as far as all of them go, if you're if you're just looking for, because um, I know a lot of a lot of comic book fans, they do like during during certain holidays, like you know whatever it is, July Fourth, Valentine's, whatever they like to read stories that maybe focus around those those holidays and as far as all these ones the only one that really will leave you a little bit um let down will, would be the uh, the specter not because it's not a good story it just doesn't have a lot to do with thanksgiving um all the other ones i really recommend if you're just looking for a fun like i say you don't need any backstories that's what's so that's what's so good um i ended up choosing well because you don't need backstories for it and uh you can just read them individually and just you know you know just have a fun time um looking at superheroes celebrating thanksgiving in, in different ways the punisher will be a little bit more of an emotional ride um for all the things that ang has just talked about with you know like with military and and things like that so um but i, I really enjoyed i would say uh, as far as the order would go i probably enjoyed um i probably enjoyed jsa the most and then the punisher very very close second and um and then um the x-men and then um the vision and scarlet witch and then uh and then the um uh, the Spectre one. So uh, that's that's probably my ordering of what of how I enjoyed these. Um, enjoyed all of them a lot. And um, but yeah, that's 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 what the like, especially the JSA, just because of the and and also Uncanny X Men because the stories were so more focused on like the drama of dor during Thanksgiving that, uh, that that that's what it is. And I know there there can be a tension of you know what what Thanksgiving is actually celebrating and everything. Um, but you know for me it's just a, it's just a really great way of bringing together friends and family. You know we always try to do as big a dinner as we can over at my house we invite you know some of our neighbors travel um but this year some of them, a lot of them are staying so we're having we're having a ton of people over which is i love that um it's exhausting um you need the weekend to recover but i absolutely love it i'm getting ready for it and preparing everything for it uh, my background is professional cooking so i like this because i can take all those skills that i learned from professional cooking and i can you know make some really good food for all all friends and family and stuff so yeah the holidays i also want to mention that too that you know angus and i be, besides the obvious of loving comic books um you can also tell hopefully from our halloween um episodes that we absolutely love horror movies and comics as well but then after that it's, it's just the whole holiday season which my birthday ends starts at the end of uh um it falls on the end of september so it's kind of like my kids always call that the beginning of the holiday season where it's my birthday then we roll into Halloween and then Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year's and uh, and that's uh, absolutely love this time of year it's my favorite and uh, whenever I can read a comic book that will reflect that um, the holiday that we're in I, I always love doing that so I always love reading them so there's lots of Christmas stuff that we can do for sure and we have some good stuff lined up but uh, for Thanksgiving it's not as um, overt and I think we picked some good ones for this week or for this year. Mm -hmm. 